Well, hello, church, and welcome to this version of the post-sermon Sunday wrap-up podcast. It is Pastor Kevin and... Pastor Josh, it's a privilege to be here today. Yeah, I can see that you're dressed for uh, the podcast today. So you wore the right things for the podcast. That's, 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 that's really good. Everybody can see us today. No, this is Josh's first time on the post-sermon wrap-up podcast, and what a joy to have you uh, with us today. What are we talking about today? Which, uh, which sermon are we uh, reviewing? We are reviewing a Sunday sermon on Philippians, Philippians 1, verses 3 to 8, on persecution and how to pray out of that. Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of an interesting thing to think about Paul, who was in prison himself, <laughs> writing to the Christians in Philippi, Philippi who are being persecuted and attacked, and they've got divisions among them. And, you know, remember that whole story in Acts 16 about how Paul casts out the demon from that uh, person, and then they they drag them in and they have a, they, they, the whole city gets in an uproar. It's just, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a situation there. So this, this is a persecuted brother writing a letter of encouragement, a letter of joy, a letter of unity to believers who are being persecuted, which is just fascinating to kind of put it in that context. So our main point Sunday was persecution changes how we pray for each other. And uh, we talked about gratitude for gospel friendships, and we talked about confidence in God's power and God's promises, and we talked about uh, how we have this strong affection for our, our brothers and sisters, like our emotions are moved when they are being persecuted, and it causes us to pray for them with such yearning and such love. So it was a great day. We're so thankful for John Camiola being with us, and, and just, again, I'm kind of Still in awe that uh, the Camiola's got to be here and uh, help us understand Rebecca's story from Voice of the Martyrs, and that was that was just a very sweet time. So, um, what uh, what uh, kind of stuck out from the message, or what's something that you think would be good for us to remember as we're kind of in the middle of this week? It's so easy for Sundays to kind of race past us and be a flash in the pan and then be gone. So if people are listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday of this week, what's something, Josh, you would like to remind them about uh, from Sunday? I think that this sermon has helped us to see that we can put on a different lens when it comes to persecution. Hmm. Maybe think of like putting on your contacts or your glasses uh, and how that changes things if you go to the eye doctor and have things adjusted. So I think our typical response to persecution is not in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that in my life, Lord. Um, I'm happy if, you know, if it's in the neighbors, I'll, I'll be willing to pray for them, but but just don't bring it in my backyard. Yeah. And uh, it was a great reminder of just some different lenses we can put on to view persecution through. So that gratitude stuck out to me, the confidence stuck out to me, and the way we can pray for others in love really stuck out. So I think really in the big picture, thinking of suffering as a grace gift, that was mm -hmm. something I hadn't really thought of too much before, and so mm -hmm. that was very helpful. Yeah, even what you're saying there kind of reminds me of Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, the very last Beatitude. Remember what the last Beatitude is? He's like, blessed, or oh, how happy are you? Like, oh man, I'm waiting with bated breath. What's he going to say? <laughs> when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, 
for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So here you see this. I, you are, you're going to get a greater reward in heaven because of this persecution. Therefore, Paul and Silas, when you're in the prison, sing, rejoice, count it all joy when you, when you are in these very difficult situations. So yeah, we talked about how suffering is a grace gift. And maybe uh, if, if you have your Bible, I want to show you a verse that we didn't have time to go to on Sunday. It's in Philippians. It's in chapter 1. It's just down in verse 29. Verse 29 of Philippians 1 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now that word granted, the root word for that word granted there is charis, which is the Greek word for grace. So it's literally, it has been given to you by grace that for the sake of Christ, so here's this grace gift, Here's and there's going to be two things that are antecedents of this verb in, in verse 29. There's two gifts of grace that God gives. First, that you would believe in him. So faith is a gift. This is the clearest verse in the scripture explicitly, outside of perhaps uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that faith itself, the ability to believe on Jesus for salvation, is a grace gift of God. Hmm. But not only to believe on him, but it has been gifted you by grace to suffer for his sake. In other words, the same grace that gives you faith is the same grace that gives you suffering. How does that make you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? That's not how we normally think. That's right. It's like, so if, if the way I like to think about this, have you ever been to like a, a theme park or a Disney World or something like that, Josh? Like, have you ever been to one of these places where you can, you can get a behind the scenes pass. You can get a behind the stage pass. Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever done any type of a behind the stage pass? I've done some fast passes and I highly <laughs> recommend those. <laughs> That's the closest I've got. <laughs> so imagine, okay, if I if I took, came to you and said, all right, how would you like, Josh, to take a behind the scenes pass and go behind the scenes on the attributes of God? Like, how would you like to see the attributes of God in an up-close, personal way, in a way that most people never get to see. Would you sign up for that? I sure would. I'd oh, be first in line. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'd say, okay, stand over here. There's going to be a tram that comes along in a little bit. And when you, when you get on that tram, you're going you're gonna to have a, you're gonna have a behind-the-scenes personal experience with the attributes of God. So you're waiting there. You're very patient. You're all excited, right? And here comes a tram. And on the marquee, on the top of the tram, it says, suffering. <laughs> and the tram pulls up and all aboard. And, and you, uh, you, you say to the conductor there, you say, well, now, is this, is, this the, is this the tour of the attributes of God? Sure is, son, come aboard. Well, should I be concerned that it says <laughs> suffering? <laughs> or you could say in this context, persecution? Well, you see, suffering is the vehicle that God uses to show us more of himself. Persecution is the vehicle that God uses to release our grip on this world and to show us the glories of eternity. In fact, what Matthew 5 taught us is persecution is the vehicle that God uses 
to increase our joy in eternity, to increase our reward, to increase our glory for all of time. And so persecution is a grace gift. The same grace that brings us saving faith is the same grace that pulls the tram up and says, all aboard. This may be painful, but it's going to be so productive for you. And you thought you knew who God was before. But as you go through this, you're going to find that God is sweeter and more joyful and more faithful and more merciful and more forgiving than you ever knew before. So I think that and that, that helps us have a right perspective then, you know, this eternal perspective on our suffering and our persecution. And you know, Kevin, it's coming up on the end of the year, and this year has just flown by. And so I wonder, you know, starting off in January, if, if you knew that you could have a year in which at the end of that year you'd be closer to God than you'd ever been before, hmm. or but, but it would be very, very difficult, or you could sign up for a year that would be very, very smooth, but you'd be further away from God at the end of that year. I wonder what one we'd pick. And I think we'd like to say, well, of course, I'd like to pick the one that's tougher. I want to be closer to God. But right. sometimes when we're in the middle of it, in the trenches there, it can be easy to lose sight of that. It really can, yeah. And, you know, and I mean, I think that's probably good that we're not really in charge of that, are we? You yeah. Know, that, <laughs> that we have a good God, and we have a good Father, and He loves us, and He's for us, and He cares for us. And He, he is good, meaning that He will, He doesn't, withhold from us that which we, is needful, <laughs> both painful and delightful. Like our God is good and he's in control and we can trust him. Those two truths of God's sovereignty and God's goodness are such anchors for our soul. That So it's, it's not something that we'd have to go out and pray for suffering or or say, well, God, I, I just, I really want to be persecuted. Please, you know, like, uh, we, we don't need to ha be a bunch of Christians that are running around with a martyr's ethic, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe, a, what's that word? Not martyr, but, uh, uh, but you know, we, we don't have to bring it upon ourselves. There's enough suffering and, and challenges and pain in this world and persecution in this world. We don't have to create it for ourselves. But we can have the confidence that when it comes, and certainly it will, for we are followers of Jesus, and all those who desire to be godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, 2 Timothy 3.12 says. So, so we, 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 we will encounter suffering for the sake of Christ if we follow him for any length of time on this world. We don't have to seek it out for ourselves. But when it comes, we need to rest in the goodness of God, in the sovereignty of God, and in the coming glory of God. God is a God who will finish what he starts. He's a God who will bring us to the end. So I'm so thankful for that. So it sounds to me, Kevin, um, that you're carefully walking that line between not praying for suffering, but also not praying to avoid suffering. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know how you would say it, Josh. I, I just, for me, it's, it's just, um, Lord, help me to become more like Jesus, you know, like, but I just want to be more like you. And, um, man, the world is so strong and my flesh is so strong and the temptations are so strong. And it's just like, Lord, I just help me today to walk in your spirit. Help me today to, to, to truly see my life from an eternal perspective, not from a present, you know, short-sighted, nearsighted uh, perspective. But help me to really um, 
to trust in you. So I, I'm curious, Josh, for you, as you think about verse six that, of our text from Sunday, Philippians 1, 6, it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What, what do you appreciate or what, what do you uh, treasure about that promise? One thing I treasure about it is Paul's confidence, but it's not a confidence in humanity. It's not a confidence that somehow we will have it within ourselves to be able to cling and hold on to the Lord. Uh, so, so he is confident. He, he has a surety, but it's grounded in the work of God. Yeah. And I can't imagine, a, there's just no better place to put our trust and hope than in the work of God, because he will, he will never fail. He will never, never fail to complete what he has set out to accomplish. And so there's such um, joy and uh, security in that, such hope in that, that no matter how we feel, um, we can look to what's really true, and that's that's what God is up to. That's right. No, it's it's so good. I, one of the things that uh, you know, sometimes this is this is a key classic text for eternal security of the believer, or what you might say is the perseverance of the saints. You know, in other words, that all who are called and justified will be glorified. You know, from Romans eight thirty. You know, like like this is. Nothing can separate God's children from God's love. You know, no, no, no persecution, no suffering, no pain. Like God has us in his hand and no one can snatch us out of his hand. You know, God is so, his love is secure. His salvation is lasting. But sometimes when people hear that, that, you know, this doctrine of eternal security, that all who are born again will be glorified and will be delivered and all that God begins, he will finish. Sometimes they... They almost use that as a way to kind of say, well, then it doesn't matter, you know, how I live. Um, how would you, how would you confront or respond to somebody who says, well, if, if, uh, you know, if I'm once saved, always saved, well, then uh, it doesn't matter how I live. I can, I can go off and lie and cheat and steal and, and live for my flesh and I'm still promised heaven. How would you how would you counsel somebody like that? I love Paul's words in Romans 6, 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he uses some of the strongest strongest language then. God forbid. Right. I mean, how could you ever think such a thing that grace would lead us into disobedience like that? So I, I like to think of it more like this. Um, Say you were taking a class back in school, and, and there's two ways. Maybe the teacher said to you, you have to earn an A. You have to work, and, and right now you're starting off with a zero or an F, and you got to work your way up to an A. Compare that to the teacher that said, right now, first day of class, you have an A. Yeah. Just keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, rather, I'd much rather have the second way because um, you're, you're working from that standpoint of not I'm not trying to earn it, but it's just I'm doing those things. I'm going to class. I'm studying but I already have the A. Yeah. And so it motivates me, but I'm not working to gain that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, just the idea that sometimes people think of eternal security as something that God does for us instead of something that God is doing in us. Mm. And I loved, I loved this text because it's very clear God is finishing what he started by working in us. 
It's his spirit that's in the believer that actually guarantees his perseverance. You know, it's he who began a good work in you will be will bring it to completion. So it's not, oh, God just did something for you. You got a certificate. You know, you got an A on the grade book. So now you just go out there and do whatever you want. It's like, no, God is working in you so that all that you do is a material. <laughs> God himself is working in you so that you are saved, so that you do fight temptation, so that you do persevere to the end. And he's going to bring you to completion. So so when we suffer or when we're attacked or when we're persecuted, and certainly, you know, all of our persecution doesn't look like Rebecca's. We have a number of people in our church family who live with unbelieving spouses or unbelieving family members, unbelieving siblings, unbelieving children that that seek to make their life difficult and are making fun of them and tearing them down. We have people who work for unbelieving bosses that 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 persecute them and 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 put them down and and refuse the promotions that are deserved, you know, because of their identification with Christ. So when we when you are persecuted, Christian, when you are suffering, remember, God himself is still working again working in you even while others are working against you. And that gives us great confidence. That's right. And one of the things I find helpful too is later on in chapter four, uh, Paul talks about he has learned the secret of being content. So sometimes I know, at least for myself, I can think, well, I'm not there yet. Um, I should be handling this better. Uh, And maybe we almost have the wrong idea about Paul thinking that he automatically knew it all. So that encourages me that even Paul himself learned the secret. So Kevin, what for you personally, what would have been some things maybe that have helped you um, learn contentment in times of persecution or suffering? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, um, I think just coming back to the Psalms for me has been such an, such a helpful thing when I am, uh, when I am hurting, when I am uh, feeling attacked, I think the Psalms and um, gospel-centered music are two things that God uses in my life to redirect my focus, to reorient my perspective, and to give me the reminders that He is good and He's in control and He will hold me fast. That's good. Very good. So, well, church, this has been such a joy to just talk with you today and and uh, and let you listen in. Josh, it's so great to have you on staff. I am just thrilled you're here. How many, has it been three weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks, oh man, the time's <laughs> flying by. <laughs> so that's great. Man, two weeks, you're, you're already doing, you're doing such a, ble- you're helping us so much. You're, you're being such a blessing to so many. We're thrilled that you're here. And thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today so that we can pray out of persecution for the glory of God. Church, we love you. And we'll talk to you later. God bless.